organization would understand the Passover, doesn't understand the calendar, doesn't understand Emmanuel, doesn't understand Zion, doesn't understand Jerusalem, doesn't understand dozens of things that we've seen in this. And they just leave it. There was one who was an elder among us. And he had already been with an organization that had rejected the Hebrew calendar and knew postponements were wrong. And somebody offered him a paycheck in another organization that still followed the Hebrew calendar. And he was gone. Gave up everything he supposedly had proved. Do you listen to me just because I have a pleasant voice? Some people told me I do. Some people don't like my voice. I don't. Why do you listen? Why have you come this far? Have you really proved it in the Bible? You know, when you begin to reject or to have a, a little root of bitterness or a negative approach, if you don't follow the things that you have learned, God will take them away. He will take them away, and you will forget them. And there are people that have done that, that I've known right here in this group, and many more. So just simply, I have to wonder, did you ever really prove it? And maybe if you did prove it, did you let a little root of bitterness or negativity or a personality or something get in your way? And then you go away, and then what you learn just goes away. Now, Herbert Armstrong used to say that. If you learn something and you don't do it, God will take it away. And I believe the man was right. I've seen it too many times in the church. I mean, even before the breakup. I saw people who would get away from it a bit and get sidetracked a little bit and for whatever reasons would quit. And first thing you know, they're back in the Baptist church keeping Christmas. And we've all got friends and relatives that have done that since the breakup. Did they ever prove it? Maybe so. Esau knew the truth. Esau would say, that's true. But I'm still mad at my brother and mother. And he let his mother and his brother, two personalities, destroy him. And he would not get over his bitterness, even though he bitterly wept, he wouldn't get over it. Now, brethren, we need to love and help each other. If somebody is negative or bitter, we have a responsibility not to feed that bitterness. If we have the love of God, we will not allow people to spread their anger and their bitterness. We will not listen to them. We will not give them an audience. We will help them stop it by not giving ear. Now, you can say, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. 
How are you going to help them? You're just going to put them in a pigeon's hole and say, well, that's the way they are. That's the way they're going to be. Can't do a thing about it. The love of God would help them. And sometimes that help can be gentle and kind, and sometimes that help is a denial of the very thing or allowing them to do it by being what you call an enabler. If somebody feeds an alcoholic alcohol, they're known as an enabler. If somebody feeds somebody who's overweight, they become an enabler. They're allowing them to do what they do and helping them do it. Now, if somebody is bitter or angry or negative and you listen to them, you are being an enabler just as much and you partake in that sin. I've said this in different ways at different times. But we have had an overwhelming amount of negativity over the last year. And it's time we stopped it. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm just saying we have a responsibility. And we need to take that responsibility upon our shoulders and help our brothers and our sisters. By not allowing them to talk to us about whatever it is they want to talk to us about that they don't like. Now, what does Christ tell us to do in those cases? I got an answer. I'm just preaching at you. What do you do when problems come up? What are you supposed to do? How do you help your brother? Pray for them, fast for them, and take away from them that which feeds their problem. Eye, the ear, the mouth. How do you put out a gasoline fire? You quit pouring gasoline on it. So we can pray, and we can fast, and maybe God's Spirit will help, but we can also quit feeding the fire. Don't listen. Now that is a big error and a sin that we have all, every last one of us here, participated in. We just have. If there's any, any exception to that, I don't want to overlook you. Could I see your hand, please? About the number I expected. We all have. Shame on us. Shame on us all. Now, let's love each other and protect each other and draw together as a family and help each other. Instead of, ice, instead of feeding whatever problems might be there. We have a job to do. And if we cut each other down and let each other sin and don't help each other and strengthen one another, we're in danger of failing. Let's not allow Satan to do that to us. And let's succeed for our God in heaven. We say we love him. You know what? 
There are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people on the face of this earth who say they love God and keep not his commandments, and they are liars, and the truth is not in them. It's a false love. It is not a godly love. It may be an emotion. It may be some intellectual understanding. But it is not the true love of God. Now, if we love God in heaven as much as we or others might profess to, then we are going to love one another. We're going to help one another and strengthen one another with the things we say to encourage them, to help them, as opposed to feeding their problem. God does not have many options left with mankind. Now, he's already got some in the ground who have been faithful. And he's got to finish out a number for the first resurrection, 144,000. And he's called all of us right here as candidates for that. And he knew that it wasn't going to work too well. He's known from experience with Satan and from Adam and Eve on down, it wasn't going to work very well. So he says, I'm going to call many, and out of those I will choose a few. He knew he was going to have to have quite a few people to get enough to finish the job. And in your experience and mine in the last 20, 25 years, we have seen a great falling away of those who were chosen or who were called. Our mothers, our fathers, our sisters, our brothers, our nephews, our nieces, our cousins, our friends. We've seen fall away. So the numbers are shrinking, brethren. God's looking for a few faithful, a few strong, a few overcomers. And he told all seven of the churches, if you overcome, I will grant with, for you to sit with me in my throne. This is all about overcoming. Every one of us here have things to overcome. We can't, the, the pot can't call the kettle black in that sense. We all have things to overcome. So, let's help each other do that. God even says, some men's sins come before, some come behind. Some people, it's just obvious what their problems are. <laughs> you know, they're just right out front. And then there are others, whose are much harder to see. They hide them better, or more private, or more whatever. And they're not maybe the, the as obvious a type of sin, but it's still sin. So, I think we've seen that demonstrated as well. That we were all members of the Church of God worldwide, and it absolutely mystified us, the ones that stuck and were faithful, and the ones that went. Some that we thought were pillars collapsed immediately. Some we thought, why do they even bother to come, are still there hanging in. Some men's sins come before, some come from behind. And you cannot tell by the cover on the book everything that's inside. 
He just can't. So God's looking for the few. Not the proud, the marines, but the few faithful. Who will overcome and who will grow. Like I said, it's, you know, you may have a problem. You say, well, this is just me. Well, change you. It can be discouraging. It can be hard. Most of us are probably fighting to this day the characteristics and problems, the weaknesses that we had as children. Now, why can God say, Reuben, in the last days your kids are going to be unstable? <laughs> it's in the very DNA. Why can he say of Joseph, you're going to be successful? It's in the very DNA of that child. But, if we believe there's a living God, brethren, we have the capacity with His Spirit to change us. To change our approach, to change our attitude. The Spirit is stronger than human DNA. Now, He knew when He called you and me what our problems were. He knew our weaknesses. He knew our DNA. He knew our parents. He knew our upbringing, good or bad. He knew everything about us. And he said, I am going to call the weak in the base. And indeed he did. Now when he did that, he believed in his heart he could take those weak and base and convert them and change them and make them the way they ought to be. Now, not only did he call you and me, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, he also has called us out of the puke of the church that he spit all over the ground. He's chosen us yet again, brethren, to understand and to make the changes now that we didn't make then. Israel has failed him. He gave this land right here, the promised land, back to his people, Israel, Ephraim in particular. With everything in it we could possibly need. And we as a people, as a nation, have let him down. He is going to kill 90% of us in famine, pestilence and the sword and save about 10% even less than that when Ezekiel threw the more hair back in the fire to start the millennium and he's done the exact same with the church it's still scattered he's called us to prepare a place for that remnant to come I believe that with all my heart I don't have all the answers about Jerusalem I don't have all the answers of everything that's going to happen. I see a picture in the Bible that I believe is going to come to pass. But I don't know all the details and the brush strokes that fit in that picture. I don't kid myself that I do. I learn more all the time. But I do know he's called us to do that and to be a place that the others can come to when the time is right. And we have a responsibility not to let our God down. 
we have a responsibility to make the changes we need to make. Every one of us, and I'm including me, I'm not chewing on you. Brethren, you need to understand. God called the leader of this group physically as one of the worst, if not the worst of all. Because he knew I had to make a lot of changes myself in order to help you make the changes you also need to make. I have walked a mile in your moccasins. I may have walked lots of miles in your moccasins. You ain't done nothing that I haven't done. Now, I yell and I scream a lot. I lift my voice like God told me to. But I think you will find, if you're having difficulty, if you approach me personally, I'm not going to jump down your throat. There are not very many around here who can say that I've done that. How often do you see me running around the property, going in people's houses, and then you see the smoke and the fire and the roof come off? Not very often. I've been there, done that. I understand every problem you've got, because I've probably got more of them and had more of them over the years than you ever will consider having. As a human being, I have more energy than most people and have all my life. And keeping that channeled and within the bounds of where it's supposed to be has been a struggle since I was, ask my mother, I don't know, two years old. So I've been there, done that. I know what you're going to. That's why God, not because I'm smart, not because I'm righteous, because I understand. God put me in this job. I know what you go through. I know what you are. If Paul could say I'm the chiefest of sinners, I think I can say the same. I think I can prove it in Scripture if you want to argue with me about it. You probably don't. Okay, let's just put it on the table. We can happy, happy, joy, joy all we want. But we face problems, we face trials. We've got to win. It doesn't mean a thing to go through here and read all these Scriptures and have understanding of all these things unless we do something about it. Unless we succeed in fulfilling the things that God said in here have to be done. And he's called us to do it. So he said, fear not, be strong, be of good courage, and work. Several different places. Maybe I'm taking a side trip here in a way to say these things. But what, what good does it do unless we make it happen? Unless we go to God with all our hearts and pray and plead that He turn His face to us and help us fulfill the things that He's given us to do. We're nothing, but the very fact that we understand these things, the very fact 
that we get it and have learned it causes it to be our job. God does not give you information unless he expects you to do something with it and make it happen and make it work. And he's given us a lot. To whom was given much, much is expected. He expects a lot of you and me. Now, I don't say that to discourage us at all. I say that God, because God gave it to us, he must have figured he could work with us and that he could make it happen. And I believe he can. Let's not let Satan... Let's not let people, let's not let negativity, let's not let bitterness or anger or any of the ungodly characteristics pull us away. Be stronger than that. And if anybody tries, don't give them any opportunity, any quarter, any ear, any attention. Are we strong enough to do that? Are we strong enough to love our brother enough to do that, to help them out that way? I have seen on TV, I don't know what programs over the years, where somebody is in a room weighing 800 pounds, can't get out the door, can't get to the doctor. You get them out of there, you got to cut the house apart. And still people are bringing them Kentucky Fried Chicken by the box full. Their sin is just as great as the person who is heavy. And I don't mean to pick on fat people. I'm one of them too. They do the same with alcohol. See somebody with a drinking problem, he's the first one you'll offer a drink. We enable it. See somebody with a bad attitude, he's the first thing one you'll tell your bad attitude to. We've got to love each other more than that, brethren. We just have to love each other more than that. Do not enable wrong thinking, wrong actions in each other. I know what we go through. Well, we just everybody just thinks I'm self-righteous if I try to set the right example or I try to do the right thing. Or you're just saying, no, I'm trying to be righteous. Might have some self-righteousness, Sure. We all want to be right. But you got to start somewhere. And if people want to call you self-righteous, well, that's just too bad. Be righteous. And if they want to argue that you're self-righteous, let them argue. Don't brag. If you do finally do something good, don't brag about it. Just... Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Keep praying that you'll do something else right. Everything you're doing right means a few less wrong things you'll be doing because you were occupied doing something right. You know, you've got to replace bad with good. You can even cast demons out, but if you don't fill the mind with the good stuff, then they're going to come back and bring seven more with them. It'll just get worse. We didn't finish reading about Jacob, but I mean about Joseph, but I want us to have the goodwill of him that was in the bush. 
Now, he's already told us he turned his face from us for a short while, and he will turn it back to us. We have not had his goodwill. Puking is not really a fruit of goodwill. Now, we have... And let's have the goodwill of him and have his face shine upon us again. And by overcoming and growing, that can happen. This is an end-time prophecy. But Ephraim, now that's transferred to the church, would have the goodwill of him that was in the bush. Now, he's shown us some goodwill by showing us the knowledge that he's given us. He has showed us some goodwill even though he's had his face turned. But if we properly utilize this goodwill and this good information, then his face is going to turn back and he's going to smile and bless us like we've never been blessed before. He's promised that. Let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph and upon the top of him that was separated from his brethren. His glory is like the firstling of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. Israel, Ephraim, America, not Manasseh. Britain has just been, well, they've sent troops, you know, but it's been the American power. It's been Ephraim that has pushed peoples to the ends of the earth. God gave us that kind of might and that kind of power. And now he's withdrawing it. And he says, I'm going to give the elect that kind of power that the Assyrian will fall before them. The fire will come out of the mouth of my people and destroy their enemies when they try to kill them. God is going to give his end-time church more power than he has ever given any people in the past. Says so. So we're talking about the end time and a nation of Israel physically who's failed God for the last resort. And they are the ten thousands of Ephraim and they are the thousands of Manasseh. There's one of the proofs right there because Ten to one in population, uh, this nation is over Britain, at least that. So, that's probably plenty for one day, but I don't know, I just felt compelled or inspired to draw this down to us, not just the physical nation, and let us see how... Mankind and Israel has failed God so many times. And he is investing his last hurrah in us. And we need to take that and run with it. And please our God.